Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hi folks, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Today we have finally made it into 1964. Woohoo. And we're already in the summer of 1964 at this year's Justice League and Justice Society team up. See, this year's it's become a habit already, but it's only actually the second one, of course. And in this episode, we are looking at issue 29 of Justice League of America, which has a cover date of August 1964 and went on sale on June the 11th, 1964. And this has a fantastic cover, very iconic mm-hmm. cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got the Justice Society, that is Starman, Hawkman, Black Canary, Doctor Fate and Doctor Midnight. The two doctors. The two doctors, indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, looking down at, uh, is that a crystal ball? And all yeah, it's, an, it's another Doctor Fate crystal ball related cover. Mm-hmm. Not too similar to 21 or anything, but you know, it's, it's some, an interesting bit of thematic repetition, if nothing else. And they're looking down at the Justice League, who mm-hmm. are Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Flash and Green Lantern. And Doctor Fate seems to be zapping them through the sphere. What could possibly be happening there? It's a great cover. I really like the way that Black Canary and Starman and Hawkman have all been rendered. Yeah. It's, it's a beauty. They all look individual as yeah. opposed to like a generic sort of look. So uh-huh. that's great. Um, real sort of expression and and Dr. Fate's helmet has that nice sort of, I want, I want to say teardrop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sort of reverse sort of, anyway. The sort of angular look. Yeah. Uh-huh. The way it's moulded. So yeah, cover drawn by Mike Sikowski and the explanation probably for why the face looks so good. It was inked by the master, Murphy Anderson. Of course. Of so course. there we are. Terrific. So, into the story. We have a fantastic splash page featuring three tiers of characters. Mm. And the caption reads, On Earth 1, the Justice League of America has never been defeated in its ceaseless war against crime and injustice. And underneath that, left to right, we have The Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman and Green Lantern. On Earth 2... The Justice Society of America has tasted only victory as it battles against the forces of evil. And under that, again, we have Hawkman, Black Canary, Doctor Fate, Doctor Midnight, and Starman. Now, meet the superpower beings of Earth 3. Oh, yes. Triumphant in every one of their missions. And we see, from left to right, some names which might be familiar to you if you (laughs) listened to last week's episode. We have Superwoman, Owlman... Ultraman, Johnny Quick, and Power Ring. And they're not, we must emphasise, they're not the versions of the characters we discussed previously. Superwoman wears a, a black leotard and a yellow cape. Owlman has a costume very like Batman's. There's no chest symbol. He's wearing a mask, which is a sort of stylized owl head. Ultraman, who looks very, very blocky and has a sort of grey hair, but it's basically a sort of similar look to Superman. With massive shoulder pads. Yeah, it's a weird... Massive angular it's shoulder It's a weird shoulder-chest combination thing. Mm-hmm. You'll get a good look at it on the socials eventually. Ultraman, yep. And then we have Johnny Quick, who is... His costume's quite... It's almost like a cross between Jay Garrick and Barry Allen. Absolutely, yes. Mm. It has the sleekness of Barry's, but he wears a helmet and, you know, he has the lightning sort of come down over his chest. And then finally, Power Ring, who looks... It's, I think, you know, in some ways, I think it's a slightly... What if Hal Jordan's Green Lantern redesigned himself a costume that seemed very closely based on Barry Allen's flash uniform? Yes, I, 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 I love it. Last week we talked about the the ancestors of the of the crime syndicate, mm-hmm. and this is us finally getting to to meet the the, the crime syndicate of Earth Three. Absolutely. When the super beings of Earth Three brazenly attacked the Justice League, 
to be followed by an attack on the Justice Society. It marks the beginning of a spectacular interdimensional struggle that shakes the very structure of three oh, yes. worlds. Crisis, Crisis on Earth 3. Straight into the first page of the story. On a side street in Central City, a scarlet figure hurtles at multi-mach speed as... And we see Barry Allen the Flash running up behind a couple of baddies who are ducking down behind a car. They've got an open bag of money. They've always just robbed a bank or something. And there's a policeman walking up towards them. And Barry thinks to himself, I've got to reach those crooks before their fingers pull the trigger or that rookie cop's a goner. Blindingly fast hands, blur and shift position. There! Without guns, you'll have to surrender and be arrested for your crime. And we see Barry knocking the guns out of the hands of the two baddies. On a side street in Keystone City, on another Earth than ours, another Scarlet Speedster darts into action. And there's an editor's note at the bottom that says... Editor's note. Say Justice League of America, number 21, Crisis on Earth 1. And we see Jay Garrick, the Flash of Earth 2 as we've come to know him, the Golden Age Flash... He's zooming up on a couple of guys and talking to a man in uniform. He looks a bit like a policeman, um, but Jay thinks to himself, Uh-oh, hold up ahead. Time to shift into high gear if I'm to do that bank messenger any good. Oh, so he's a bank messenger. Breathtakingly swift arms shoot forth. Fasten on coats and collars and... We see Jay basically grabbing the two baddies and we see their hats flying off and their gun dropping to the ground. It's brilliant. Very kinetic. Very cool panel. And Jay thinks... The nearest police station is three blocks away. I'll have them there before they can blink their eyes. Amazing, amazing. And on yet another Earth, Earth 3 in the list of possible worlds, a third scarlet form streaks down a street. And we see Johnny Quick of Earth 3 bursting out of an open door. And he thinks to himself, Got it, the world-famous sculpture that's valued at a million credits. I stole it right out from under the art gallery guard's noses. Sure as my name's Johnny Quick. And he's got a statue under his arm and we see a nice bit of sort of modern art in the window just advertise the fact that it's a gallery. And we move on to page three. Next moment on Earth 3, a metallic net drops over the speeding Johnny Quick. And sure enough, we see Johnny being snared in a, a nice big net and he thinks, Oops, it's been so long since the police have even made an effort to stop me that I've grown rusty. And in the next panel, we see him vibrating out of the net and a couple of policemen running up. And Johnny continues to think to himself, I've got to use all of my super swift powers to vibrate free from this trap. Not too far away, and still on Earth 3, a couple of other super beings are also having a bit of trouble as they rob. It's quite a busy panel. We see Power Ring, who's using his Power Ring to conjure a big blowtorch and sort of shoot it against a giant bulldozer. And Power Ring is thinking to himself, Unless I can cut out of my way past the super bulldozer with the help of the Power Ring from which I take my name, Power Ring is done for. How many times did I manage to see Power Ring there? Anyway, not to worry. On the other side of the panel, we see Superwoman, a very glamorous Superwoman, it must be said. Sikowski's, he's obviously, you know, taking this one very seriously. And she's basically punching cannonballs away as she thinks to herself, I wouldn't be in this predicament if I got a chance to use my superpowers more often against tough competition as the Superwoman I am. Amazing. We drop to the last panel on Platform 3. The caption says, Amazing super muscle strain as Superwoman goes into high gear and as Power Ring hurls all his tremendous will into the beam from his ring. And Superwoman thinks to herself, This bat I made from some cannonballs I fused together with my super strength will get me out of here. But if I had more opportunities to exercise my superpowers, this silly thing wouldn't have happened to me. And right enough, we see her batting away cannonballs using her big cannonball fused together baseball bat and then other side of the panel, 
You see Power Ring continuing to fire a beam at the bulldozer and he's thinking to himself, it's a good thing super beings weren't working as bulldozer or they'd have captured me. But wait, you say. Those are not superheroes, but supervillains. Ah, you're beginning to understand that on Earth 3, some things are drastically different from the way they are on Earth 1 and Earth 2. I'm getting chills, frankly. We move to the top of page 4. On Earth 1 and Earth 2, things are quite similar. Some superheroes have the same names, although they may not look alike. And we have a nice little montage. Um, we see headshot of Barry Allen and headshot of Jay Garrick and they're respectively captioned Flash Earth 1, Flash Earth 2. And then there are headshots of Hal Jordan and Alan Scott and they are respectively captioned Green Lantern Earth 1 and Green Lantern Earth 2. And then finally, there's a shot of Ray Palmer with a nice fountain pen and a bottle of ink behind mm -hmm. him. He's obviously shrunk down in this picture. And there's a headshot of Al Pratt and these final two images are captioned Atom Earth 1, Atom Earth 2. This becomes, is that word again? It's a trope. Yes. It becomes a nice sort of shorthand symbolism way of highlighting differences between the Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of these sort of panels. Oh, me too. That's I mean, just, um, this is how we learned it all when we were young. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the very first JLA JSA team up that I read had has a brilliant panel. I'm going to suggest that we have a, we create an album on the Facebook page of... A montage of yeah. all the vibratory worlds. It's been really nice to see them all together. Perfect. We'll so anyway, yes, we continue. But Earth 3, wow! <laughs> History repeats itself. In a reverse way, for instance, Columbus did not discover America. Columbus was an American who discovered Europe. <laughs> and this is insane. We see a, a shot of a beach with some you know, big old-fashioned boats in the, and ships in the water, and there's a rowing boat coming up on the beach, and there's some men in armour coming down to greet the people who are coming in. It's insane. Not only that, but colonial England won her freedom from the United <laughs> States in the Revolutionary War of 1776. And we see several men in long red coats talking to one man in a, in a blue coat who's sort of phoning a sabre up. It's fascinating. Anyway, right. <laughs> they don't really go into the proper history. I mean, it's, 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 great it to, it's great to think about it, isn't it? But, you know, just these silly panels. Yeah. And then we've got the third of this little montage. Mm. And it was actor Abe Lincoln who shot President John Wilkes Booth. An amazing panel, we see Abraham Lincoln jumping out of the, the theatre box, you know, to make his escape. It's fascinating just to think about all this, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's almost like, if you think about it for too long, it completely falls apart. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's almost like this Earth maybe just exists as some sort of abstract idea. Uh-huh. Which is a reverse concept. Yeah, which yeah. throws up all sorts of ideas about how the multiverse works and what other types of Earths, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already we had one recently, obviously, where Ben Hur was kicking about with with yeah. Hercules and mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. So you know, it's that, infinite possibilities. Yes, yeah, and as we continue to map the multiverse, I hope we see some more of this really really interesting stuff. So anyway, page four of JLA twenty nine continues. Small wonder then that there are no superheroes on Earth three, for Earth three is a world where every super being is a criminal who have bandied themselves together to form the Crime Syndicate of America. These are the five fearsome felons. And left to right, we see Johnny Quick, Superwoman, Owlman, whose name is highlighted in a sort of star-shaped sort of caption, Power Ring and Ultraman, just to reiterate them from again from the, the image we see at the start on the first page. It's an interesting idea that there are no superheroes in Earth 3. Try and bear that in mind, folks, because we'll come back to that eventually. Yes. A long time from now, but we'll come back to it. Like to step into their secret sanctuary? Only Owlman is there now, but here come Johnny Quick, Superwoman and Powering. And we see Owlman sat with his feet up on the table, but it's great the way it's been drawn. It looks like his feet are just resting in the panel frame. It's, it's brilliant. 
Power Ring is beside him, and Johnny Quick has just entered, and Superwoman is coming downstairs. So Johnny Quick says, Phew, that net almost had me. And then Superwoman says, If one of those cannonballs had hit me right, it would have stunned me long enough to be captured. And Power Ring says, We need more work, more of a challenge to our superpowers. We're all in a super condition, that's a trouble. Then Owl Man chimes in, You're right, we've reached a crisis. Here we steal everything we want. Our superpowers make it so easy we've lost our fighting edge. And Power Ring says, huh, Tell us something new. The four super criminals swing around as their fellow member Ultraman joins them. He looks like Neil Adams in this panel, doesn't he? Do you yeah, think? He does a bit, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, Ultraman says, I'll tell you something so new it'll curl your hair. I've discovered a way to get us out of the doldrums. And Owlman says, Sounds good, Ultraman. Tell us about it. And Ultraman continues, As you know, kryptonite acts in my super body like an electric charge. Every time I bathe in its rays, I gain a new power. Well, just this morning, as I was robbing the local museum of natural history, I found the biggest chunk of kryptonite i ever seen. It was a newly landed meteorite, so I decided to swipe it. And we have a panel of Ultraman. It looks like he's in a museum, basically, because there's a big sort of what looks like a dinosaur skeleton behind him, and he's carrying off the meteorite. There's a guard behind him firing. He's gone, pow, pow. And Ultraman is thinking to himself... He's also, he's got a big cheesy grin in his face. He's delighted. Yeah. He's, he's, he's well, probably because he, he's thinking, yes, more kryptonite. What's this going to get I'll me? tell you exactly what he's thinking. He's right? thinking, already I can feel the kryptonite working on me. My eyes are tingling. Something's different. It's happening to them. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Do you know what? I can't wait till we do the opening pages of issue one of Christ and Infinite Earths. You know, it's a low, it's going to be many years ahead, but you know. So we move on to the top of page six, and there's a caption as Ultraman thinks to himself As I crashed out of the museum, I saw a strange world open up before my eyes. The kryptonite had given me Ultravision. I mean, this is great. It's almost like the bricks from the wall that Ultraman has burst through. It's almost like they're falling away and he's seeing, you know, just what's before him. He is, he's having a vision and he can see Superman and Wonder Woman and they're fighting... Some random, uh, yeah, probably sure mad scientist. I wasn't think. sure if it was a J v- Justice League of America villain that we hadn't seen already. Superman and Wonder Woman are flying along and this guy's shooting back at Superman and Wonder Woman and Ultraman is thinking... Amazing. I can see super beings on that world. About to battle a master criminal. In the next few panels, Ultraman continues to see the Justice League in action. And he thinks, Fascinated by something so unusual, I spent several hours studying that other Earth and all superheroes. And, can you imagine, they were actually using their powers to stop crimes instead of committing them. And we see Aquaman dealing with a couple of, you know, they, they look like underwater space alien type guys. They're in a little submarine. And what's, that, what's Aquaman's? octopus pal called Topo yeah it looks it could be him sort of he's he's grabbing a submarine and then we see Barry Allen in the next panel the flash and he's knocked out some baddies their he's guns in their hands punching them right yep. up into the air yep. and it's, it's a cracker and there's another caption at Ultraman's suggestion powering opens the dimensional barriers between Earth 3 and Earth 1 so that the others can see what he has seen and we see Hal Jordan in action as Green Lantern with three baddies looped up in a nice little power ring construct, dropping him off at prison by the looks of it. And then the next panel, we see John Jones, the Martian Manator, stretching down, grabbing a big fist to grab a bandit-looking guy who looks like he's wearing a mask, but he's carrying a bag, looks well shifty, and he's got a gun, and John's caught him. Hooray! But it's unusual to see John Jones' powers in that way. He's usually shape-changing 
power is just to change shape. That's mm. more like a stretching thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good to see it because it is yeah. something you can do, but yeah. you, you rarely see it. It's that whole thing of sometimes, you know, guys being written differently yeah. in, in the team book rather than their own book. Mm-hmm. I always bang on about John constructing the tape recorder mm-hmm. out of nothing. I wonder if he ever did stuff like that in House of Mystery, if that was just a, a jail, you know, something that happened. Yeah, I mean, I had a few could House be. of Mysteries at one point. Mm-hmm. So I might still have a couple, so I'll have a look. Anyway, we continue on page six. After studying Earth 1 for some time... And there's a nice panel of headshots of the, the CSA, and this is this is some nice work, it must be said, for, from Sikowski. Johnny Quick says, This is a sensational discovery. We've all been getting rusty lately from lack of suitable competition. This is the answer to our problem. And Superwoman says, Right. We'll go to Earth 1 and set up some crimes to trigger those superheroes into action against us. And over the page, and Superwoman says... When those do-gooders called the Justice League of America have their next meeting, we'll give them a real test. I'm sure that with our superpowers, we will triumph. An owl man contributes. Yeah, but on the slight chance we don't win, I have a suggestion. Every member of the Crime Syndicate of America turn towards owl man, whose crimes are so brilliantly planned that they always succeed. Johnny Quick says, Your super brain is what makes you a super being, owl man. You've been giving some deep thought to the problem. I can see. And powering continues. Yes, tell us what you have in mind. While Owlman on Earth 3 explains his scheme to turn possible defeat into sure victory, the Justice League of America is holding its regularly scheduled meeting in the Secret Sanctuary. And we see the seated assembly of the Justice League of America of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash and Snapper Car. And Batman says, Aquaman, Green Arrow. Atom and John Johns are busy on urgent cases, so they won't be here. And Snapper Carr says, They won't miss much. It's Quietsville around the clubhouse. Little does Snapper Carr realise the awesome challenge that even now is preparing to hurl itself upon the Justice League. And we continue with Chapter 2, which is called, amazingly, Crisis North 3, Chapter 2. And the caption reads... Like a super bombshell, the crime syndicate of Earth-3 bursts upon the scene on Earth-1. Speed, strength, brainpower, willpower, each plays a part in the daring thefts that plague America. Never before has any country faced such a wave of super criminals, such an outpouring of superpowers used to despoil people of their treasured possessions. And there's a nice big montage panel, and we see Johnny Quick zooming out of a jewels, power ring bursting a wall, through the US Treasury. We see Owl Man obviously maybe interfering with a safe. We see Superwoman just sort of flying and Ultraman carrying a couple of bags of money away from an armoured car and throughout the whole thing there's a floating money and jewels and stuff sort of, you know, to symbolise obviously the, the havoc that they're causing. It's, it's quite good actually, I'm liking it. Like a toxin, the alarm rings across the airwaves into the secret sanctuary of the Justice League. We didn't know what toxin meant so we looked it up and apparently it's an archaic noun meaning an alarm bell or signal. So there we go. And we see a voice. <laughs> it's great, actually, because Green Lantern's got his ear right up to the speaker. And a voice is coming from Little Radio at JLA headquarters, and it says, America has been invaded by a band of super crooks. Wherever you are, members of the Justice League, every police force in the land asks for your help. And Superman says, You only have to ask once. Batman says, Let's go. The next panel, we see them all springing into action. Green Lantern says, Power ring. Sounds like something I might have called myself. I'll take him on. And Flash continues. That Johnny Quick sounds as if he's just my speed. Superman says. 
Ultraman. I intend to find out just how ultra he really is. And Wonder Woman says... Superwoman is the gal for me. The Gal Gadot for yeah, me. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? And uh, Batman says... It may take a Batman to catch an owl man. And Snappercar finishes off by saying... Man, this super job has them all beat. It's a weird thing with Snapper, right? I can't stand them in 60s stories. You know, and I'm normally a fan of, of kid sidekicks and all that sort of mm. stuff. You know, big fan of Sandy and Robin and all that sort of stuff. But Snapper does my line. But I love him in the turn of the century Hourman series. Uh-huh. You know, slightly older, slightly disillusioned sort of slacker. Snapper yeah. car. I love that guy. He was my whole aesthetic for a few, <laughs> for a few years, you know. Good to good. Tremendous. Right, we move on to page nine. Of JLA 29, the caption at the top says, Racing cross-country, the Flash arrives in Central City, just as Ultraman is ripping off a bank vault door. That's what we see, Barry bursting him through the door, and Barry says, Huh, the radio report said Johnny Quick was robbing here. And Ultraman responds, We super crooks don't stay put. We like to move around. As he darts forward, the Scarlet Speedster raises titanic waves of wind that catch the Earth-3 criminal by surprise. You see Barry whooshing all round Ultraman, and Ultraman thinks to himself, Whew, I sure am out of condition. Flash caught me off balance, but my ultra-breath will drive that hurricane back into Flash. Helpless in that colossal force, the fastest man in Earth-1 is rammed against a solid wall with breathtaking power. And sure enough, we see Barry caught in the blast of Ultraman's ultra-breath, and his arms akimbo, and he's flying backwards. Only his para-swift vibrations enable the super speedster to pass unharmed through that granite wall. Amazing panel of Barry vibrating out of the wall as he thinks to himself, If Ultraman's anything like the Superman he resembles, I know a way to stop him short. It is the work of a split second for the Flash to detour to a local museum, snatch up a chunk of green kryptonite, and return with it to the bank. And we see a floor-level shot of Ultraman watching as the Flash runs towards him, and Ultraman says... How on earth, one, do you expect to stop me with that meteor fragment? And Barry has a chunk of kryptonite in his hand and Barry thinks to himself, Good, Ultraman doesn't even suspect the green kryptonite can weaken him. He hurls the alien mineral with the speed of a bullet, so that it shatters on his opponent's chest. There's a great panel of Ultraman, chest out, arms spread, and the kryptonite bursting against the U in his chest, and he says, Ha uh-huh. the only effect kryptonite has on me is to give me a new ultra power. Ultraman's eyes blaze instantly with his newfound power. His stare cuts two beams of heat in the air and... This panel, it's like red lightning almost. Eyes ablaze, it's brilliant. He's obviously delighted at what's happening and he says... While the aura of your body protects you from the heat due to friction, it doesn't protect you from fire. Right, so he's obviously blasting them at Barry. The next panel, the caption says... As those flames leap toward him, the Scarlet Speedster vibrates so swiftly and so effectively that he drills a path into the bank floor. It basically just looks like Barry the Flash is just vibrating drop through the floor. It doesn't really look as if he's, he's disturbed anything, but being pedantic. Anyway, it surprised Ultraman because he says, Where'd he go? The caption for the next panel says, He reappears almost instantly, vibrating both hands like trip hammers. And we see Barry, who's back in action, and he's battering his hands off the back of Ultraman. And there's a nice sort of quiescentric circles of force. It's really, really nice, actually. And Ultraman thinks to himself, The air pressure, shaking me up. I can hardly think straight. Flash will win unless I do what Howl Man advised in such an emergency. You oh. could say Ultraman's <laughs> all shook up. <laughs> 
Top page 11 now, and the caption says, The moment the fastest man on Earth 1 grasps him, Ultraman cries this out. This is a really dodgy-looking panel. Barry is basically, he's grabbing Ultraman from behind. He's got one hand, he's coming up round, grabbing the, that weird sort of shoulder pad thing, and, and his other hand is reaching down the front. It looks like they're in a bit of a tryst, to be like a backward stance. There's a sort of burst of energy behind them, as Ultraman says, Volthoom. Barry says, Barry the Flash says, Good gosh, what's happening to us? In Gotham City, Batman fully expects to find Owlman, but... And we see the inside of obviously an art museum and Johnny Quick is stripping paintings out of the frames and Batman, in his surprise, shouts, Johnny Quick! Johnny Quick says, Owlman left this territory for another one, Batman, so I'm taking over. Hurtling into action, the Duke of Detectives hurls a sleep gas pellet from his utility belt. There's a sort of bang and flash on the ground and Batman says... You or Owlman makes no difference. I'll take on either one of you. Johnny Quick says, Not that way you won't. Johnny Quick windmills his arms so speedily that... And sure enough, Johnny's doing that great sort of exercise warm-up as he twists both arms to create a tornado here. Johnny's obviously trying to disperse the gas away from himself so that he won't be affected by it. Yeah. And Johnny Quick is saying, See how you like a taste of your own medicine. Batman is thinking to himself, I've got to charge through the gas... Grab him before he can disappear. Holding his breath, Batman plunges through that dark miasma of gases, hands reaching outwards. He flies towards Johnny and he thinks, I'll stake everything on a cunning judo hold. We move on to page 12, the caption says, Grabbing his enemy in a clever hold, Batman is about to hurl him through the air. Batman has grabbed Johnny by the waist under the arms and he's lifting him, flipping him up into the air. When Johnny Quick moves so swiftly that almost in the wow. same instant their positions are reversed. Yeah, and that's what happened. And then the caption for panel three says, So it is Batman who goes flying. Johnny flips Batman over and down. And we should point out at this juncture that Batman now has the yellow chest oval. Yes, which that's he hasn't just now. Yeah, which he hasn't had at any point yet in any of the stories that we've covered. Indeed. This going forward becomes quite a useful way of telling apart certain characters but we'll, we'll come back to that eventually so we continue to panel four the caption says he crashes hard on the art gallery floor batman is down he's reaching up towards johnny's johnny's jumping over him and johnny says how good it feels to get back in action again against worthwhile competition then as the fastest man in earth three drops towards his victim his victim comes to life Batman punches Johnny out with a cracking sock sound effect and says, My one hope to cope with your super speed was to outwit you by playing possum. And Johnny Quick says, The final trick I've reserved for myself. Just before Johnny Quick slumps into unconsciousness, his lips whisper a single word. Balthoom. Many miles away, powering is lifting a bank as... This is a great panel. It takes up the whole of the left side of page 13. Power ring, and you know, he looks so much like Hal Jordan. Yes. I mean, they really are the closest in looks and the way they, they manifest the powers. He's holding the bank in one power ring generated hand, and he has another hand underneath, and he's obviously shaking out the gold and the money and all sorts of stuff, and he's catching it with the lower hand. Power ring says, This is one way to empty a bank in a hurry. And at the bottom of the panel, Superman flies up and thinks to himself, I expected to find Ultraman here, but. He'll do nicely for what I have in mind. Back up to the top of page 13 for the second tier of panels, and the caption says, Only the mighty muscles of the Man of Steel could rip an entire bank from the verdant hands that hold it. Sure enough, Superman has pulled the bank out of the grasp of Power Ring, and Power Ring thinks to himself, Ah, this is the way to live. 
finding someone powerful enough to prove a match for me. Replacing the bank, Superman raises upward towards a green battle mace that the criminal from Earth-3 beams at him. Yep, the captions tell us what's happening right enough. Superman is flying up towards Power Ring. The mace is flying down towards Superman. Superman thinks, Since only kryptonite and magic can defeat me, I'll make short work of that imitation green lantern. He's obviously not impressed, is he? No. Yep. So, to his amazement... The Man of Steel is tumbled backward by the impact of that verdant weapon. Yep, and we see Superman taking it right in the kisser with a pow sound effect. And he thinks, oh, that mace hurts. Can his ring be made of kryptonite or gifted with magic? Interesting. From golden bars spilled from the bank, Superman fashions a mighty shield. And in the bottom panel of page 13, Superman is flying up carrying a shield that looks very much like the Guardian. It does look like the shield, doesn't shield, it? Yes. It's interesting. I wonder if that's deliberate. Superman thinks to himself, Yellow is Green Lantern's weakness. Maybe it's Power Rings too. And Power Ring is flying towards him and thinking, Superman will get nowhere using that golden shield against me. As Superman leaps up, a green flare shoots down. Yep, and there's a green flame bursting from Power Ring's Power Ring towards Superman and we see the shield melting. And indeed, Superman confirms, The shield's melting. One more chance. Wood is the nemesis of the Green Lantern of Earth 2. His super mighty hand rip up a giant sequoia by the roots. We're at a similar sort of point of view to Power Ring. Looking down on Superman, he's lifting this giant tree and he's swinging it toward Power Ring, who says, you do the silliest things. Suddenly an emerald buzzsaw bursts from the mystic ring, shredding the tree to splinters, and... And the buzzsaw just does what the, ca- the caption's doing a lot of the storytelling for yeah. us. It's very handy. And Power Ring, he says, now for the finishing touch. And we see Superman cowering away from the, the flying bits of wood and he thinks, Those shavings sticking fast to me. As he falls to the ground with Power Ring moving in for the finishing stroke, the Man of Steel inhales. And Power Ring has his hand up to his face. He's obviously in some distress and he says, The air being pulled from around me is closing me in a vacuum, blacking out. Superman catches his half-conscious victim in time to hear. Yep, and Superman, we see him with all the bits of wood still embedded in him all over the place. And he's catching Power Ring, and Power Ring manages to say, Balthoom. As Superman says, something strange happening. Halfway across the continent, Wonder Woman races towards Superwoman, who is stealing the statuary from a millionaire's estate. And we see them both in the... Obviously, it's the grounds of a big house. There are some pillars. There's one of the statues, a sort of Greco-Roman-style column. Some hedges, some bushes. Obviously, very fancy. A big house in the background. And Superwoman, looking delighted with herself... He's carrying off a couple of Boston statues, and she thinks... It was clever of wealthy old Jason Morland to coat these solid gold statues with plaster, but I saw through his ruse and... Ah, company! As one of the women bombs up, and the caption of the next panel says... With super speed, backed up by super strength, the female felon of Earth-3 hurls a barrage of heavy statuary at her Earth-1 counterpart. And we see that right enough. Superwoman hurls all this stuff at her and Superwoman says, These things would stop an entire police force back where I come from. Let's see what they do to you. But Wonder Woman isn't phased. The Amazon princess thrusts the missiles aside as she makes a flying tackle. She lunges towards Superwoman and Superwoman says... I'm glad Wonder Woman didn't let me down. A little competition is the spice of life. The next instant, the Amazon's target drops flat on her back, lifting her super legs. Yeah, and it basically it looks like they're playing aeroplanes. Superwoman is on her back and she's got Diana on her feet and she's lifting her up and then she kicks her away. Up you go, dearie. 
As the lady larcenist from Earth 3 straightens her limbs. And Wonder Woman is flying up in the air and she thinks to herself, Merciful Minerva, her legs are like a super catapult. High into the air goes the Paradise Island princess, who slows her upward progress by angling her flight towards the jet stream that circles the globe. In the next few panels, it's basically a sort of bit of an airborne ballet style fight scene. I've been very critical of Sikowski in, in the past. This is really quite nice, quite pleasant. So anyway, Wonder Woman is much higher up than Superwoman. She's looking down behind her and she thinks... Thank Hera. The jet stream slowed me. Otherwise, I might have been hurled into space. She swoops low, riding the wind currents, which she knows so well. And we see Superwoman flying up towards Wonder Woman. The woman thinks, here comes my foe, readying her next move. Competition she wants, so competition she's going to get. Using the jet stream currents to her advantage, Wonder Woman succeeds in grasping her rival's arm and ankle. And... As Diana takes hold, she thinks, without the air currents to hold her, she'll be helpless. Head over heels, the Earth-3 villainess rotates at incredible speed as she flies sideways, away from Wonder Woman. We see the Superwoman looping and flying, curling, tumbling away, and she thinks to herself, Oh, I'm getting dizzy. With every last desperate muscle straining to the utmost, Superwoman frees her golden lasso, and... I'll cast my lariat and reshape it to my willed command. Yep, and we see the, the lasso hurtling down towards Diana as we move on to page 17. As the rope from Earth 3 turns into a flying serpent, Wonder Woman hurls her own magical lasso. This is cracking. The lasso is basically turned into a giant, crossing a snake and a dragon. The snake is sort of long and yellow with red dots, big scary eyes, wings. It's, I mean, in the right hands, this could be absolutely terrifying. I'd love to see this in a movie. If the DC extended universe hadn't fallen on its backside, this would have been terrific. So it's flying towards Wonder Woman, who's now unleashing her own lasso against it. And she thinks, Merciful Minerva, guide my aim. Around and around, the writhing air demon wraps the golden cord. And Wonder Woman is lassoing this scary big beast thing, and she thinks to herself, that ought to hold it, while I order my lariat to stretch a little more, and... Within seconds, Superwoman finds herself struggling in the ever-tightening coils. Yep, Wonder Woman has managed to lasso Superwoman as well, and Superwoman thinks to herself, I'm her prisoner. Then, as Wonder Woman leaps in to clutch her vanquished foe... Again, I just want to say how good the facial features are here. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. Mm. It's really, really good. I mean, I'm so impressed. It's, do you think it's is Sikowski just raising his game? Or has he got a good anchor? Or is he... You know, well, there's, just... there's not many backgrounds in these panels, so yeah, I think well, he yeah, is that's focusing it. mostly yeah, on... Yeah, I mean, they're up in the sky. There's the hint, there's the hint of some clouds, and that's, you know, yeah. that's about it. It looks as though Superwoman is, is passing out, and she thinks to herself... I'm glad Owlman thought of this final safety measure. And she says... Vuthum. Meanwhile... Far to the east, Owlman has made his careful plans to rob a Gotham City jewel salon. And we see a staff member from the jewellery store draped over the counter. We see a man lying unconscious on the ground. There's another couple of people who are obviously in a bit of a state of distress. There's a little cloud of gas and Owlman says, A special gas to knock out clerks and customers. And the choicest gems in the store are mine. Flying in the doorway is Green Lantern who cries, Not so, Owlman. I expected to do battle with Power Ring, but you'll do nicely as a satisfactory substitute. Fashioned by the Emerald Crusader's Ring, great green sponges absorb the gases as... Yeah, once again, the captions are doing the, the storytelling for us. That's quite an old-fashioned thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, less so these days. It's, you know, they're... it's frowned upon these days. Yeah, because it's almost like they're not letting the artwork tell the story. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So yeah... Green Lantern has conjured a couple of sponges and we see the gas being drawn into them and he's flying over the, the floor of the jewellery store and he thinks to himself, now that I've protected the police, 
I'll make an escape-proof cage to hold Owl Man until he can be turned over to the police. And in the next panel, we see Green Lantern willing a cage into shape. Next moment, by moving sideways, Owl Man slips from the cell. And Green Lantern thinks to himself, Huh, why did I ever make those bars far enough apart to enable him to go through them? Yeah, and we see Owl Man just doing that. He's slipping through the bars of the cage. The Earth-3 criminal with the super brain whips out a device from his utility belt. And Owl Man is ducking low. It looks like a gun that he's produced. He's firing it in front of him. There's a sort of ray emanating from it. And he thinks to himself... Nobody can survive the radiating light from my Illumina gun. Once its beams hit his eyes, it'll knock him out. His mask is very effective, isn't it? Yeah, it's very creepy. Because you're almost, you know, you can see his, his own face is there, but it looks, the owls, it's almost as... It's disconcerting. Yeah, it's almost as disconcerting, I suppose, as if he dressed up as a giant bat and was casting shadows <laughs> all over the place. True. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, the caption of the next panel says... But... Even as the spinning light gun shoots out its strange rays. And Green Lantern is manipulating the cage back into shape and he says, This time I'll put the bars so close together, not even a skeleton could get out. And we see Owl Man just coming up against the bars and oof, almost. We move on to the top of page 19 and a caption says, To the amazement of the Green Gladiator. Yep, and Owl Man is climbing out of the cage because Green Lantern didn't put a roof on it. You made the bars real close, Green Lantern, but you forgot to form a roof over them. So I'll simply climb out. <laughs> and Green Lantern basically says what we're all thinking right now. How clumsy can I get? And Owl Man leaps down towards him and with his gun pointing ahead of him. Green Lantern thinks there's only one answer. Somehow Owl Man with his super brain has been mentally telling me what to form with my power ring. So Hal uses his ring to form a big boxing glove. Yes. And he, oof, uppercuts against Owl Man and he thinks to himself... So by setting up a force field around my brain, I'm free to use the old reliable punch that has gotten me out of more than one tight spot in the past. As he collapses, Owl Man has one last fleeting thought. Owl Man thinks, Even as my conscious mind blanks out under that blow, my subconscious mind will take over and put me into Earth 3 by making me say, Vuthum. So obviously that's the plan by putting me into Earth 3. Okay, so... We move on to chapter 3 of Crisis North 3, page 20. As each supercriminal utters the word Volthoom, he and a victorious Justice League member who holds him are transferred bodily into Earth 3. The Crime Syndicate of America is prepared for that abrupt transition, but the Justice League members are caught by surprise and dazed by the violent intradimensional shift. Yeah, I wonder if all those fights that we just saw were simultaneous. Yeah, it seems to be implication. Yeah. yeah. So in this large establishing panel, the members of the Justice League are all in various states of recovery on the floor. Superman sat down, Green Lantern stretched out flat, um, Batman is on his elbow, Wonder Woman is climbing to her feet, and they're all a bit dazed. Yeah, they're all seeing stars. Quite literally. The effect around, yeah. around all their heads. You almost wonder why the, the CSA didn't move them onto the nice comfortable chairs that we can see on the side <laughs> of the panel. But anyway, so the, the crime syndicate are, start, are lording it over them. And Owlman says, It was my prearranged plan to bring you Justice League members here to Earth 3 in case you were triumphing over us. And then Power Ring says, Place the vibratory power in each of the Crime Syndicate members' bodies, which would automatically hurl us and you into Earth 3 the instant we said the word Valthum. Valthum was the name of the Pungi who gave me this mystical power ring. Because it is magical in nature, it was able to defeat you, Superman. And we have a little asterisk and an editor's note which says, Editor's note, a Buddhist monk. So yes, a Pungi is a Buddhist monk. 
I wonder. <laughs> Let's do some spinning here, right? Okay. He looks very much like Hal Jordan. Yes. But he got his ring, and it's mystical and it's magical from a Buddhist monk. So does mm-hmm. that mean that maybe on Earth three, mm-hmm. the lantern that Alan Scott would have used, the equivalent in his universe, mm-hmm. was received and made its way into the hands of the Buddhist monk for who, for whatever reason, then gave it the power ring? Could be. And... It's, an, it's, it's an interesting sort of combination of. Mm. Of them, isn't it? And another question you could ask is: On Earth three, are Buddhists like warlords? Yeah, are they baddies as opposed to really chill, mm-hmm. leveled out folks? That's, That's really interesting. Yeah, it could yeah. be. So yes, our man gloats. You Justice League members have never been beaten on Earth one. We Crime Syndicate members have never been beaten on Earth three. We brought you here to do battle on our own home grounds. Over the page on the page twenty one, caption that says. Once again, the super-beings of two worlds hurl themselves upon one another, calling on the extraordinary powers that have made them supreme on their own Earths. But whether Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman and Green Lantern are still dazed from the travelling to Earth 3, or because Johnny Quick, Power Ring, Superwoman, Owlman and Ultraman are fighting on their home grounds where somehow the advantage is in their favour. And there's a nice big splash panel page with no deep background detail whatsoever, and Power Ring has got Superman all tied up and looped up. Owlman is zapping Green Lantern with that gun that he had earlier on. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is being lassoed and dragged around by Superwoman. Johnny Quick is spinning Batman above his head, and it kind of looks like Ultraman has tipped Barry the Flash Allen over and has scalped him in the bum, which is a throwback to that really dodgy panel of them earlier on. Yes. The caption continues and says, The battle is soon over. The Justice League cannot summon up its full powers and the crime syndicate, sharpened by great competition, is at its fighting peak. We move on to page 22 and the heroes and villains are all standing facing each other. Overwhelmed, the Justice League members listen to the ultimatum of the crime syndicate of America. Power Ring says, All we've proved is that you are better than we are on Earth 1. Well, we are better than you on Earth 3. An old man says, We have therefore decided to fight you on a neutral background where neither one of us has any advantage. Hmm. Ultraman uses his ultravision to peer between the dimensional barriers. And he can see an earth, which leads him to say, I found the ideal background, Earth 2. Then, powering sends the Justice League of America members back to their secret sanctuary. Yep, and it's another example of the caption doing the storytelling for us. We see the JLA members very like the cover to Justice League of America number one. Yes, it is, absolutely. Yeah. Homage to a couple of times, obviously, JLA 61, they're in issue of Superman Volume 2, and they're all sat around the table. We can see that rather charmingly on the floor, we can see the Atoms chair. Yes. That's brilliant, isn't it? Tiny chair. Fantastic. So, um, and Powering says, as he's gesturing with his ring, Under the magical spell of my power ring, you'll remain here helpless. Your hands fastened to the council table while my fellow crime syndicate members and I go into Earth 2 and quickly eliminate the Justice Society there. And then along the bottom of page 22, again, some brilliant facial figuring work from Sikowski and we see left to right and the crime syndicate all sound off. Ultraman goes first. I won't take any chances of the Justice Society superheroes helping their Justice League friends. And then Johnny Quick says, It'll be a super fast fight. And then Superwoman says, With us overcoming them as easily as we did the Justice League. And then Power Ring says, Then I'll bring the Justice League members into Earth 2 for the final showdown battle between us. And Owlman finishes, But first, the Crime Syndicate members must make certain special preparations I have in mind. Over the page to page 23, 
Unknown to the crime syndicate, the Justice Society of Earth 2 has discovered that their world was being surveyed. And we see the five members of the JSA, presumably in their headquarters, and there's a big sort of television screen in the wall which is showing, yeah, it must be Ultraman. Yes, looming through his the, eyes. Yeah, peering through the clouds, and Hawkman says, Some strange other world creature is gazing upon us. Starman continues. Starman, in his first line of dialogue since Adventure Comics 102 went on sale in December 1945. <laughs> Drum roll. My cosmic rod reveals those eyes are looking in on us from an adjacent world. And he's pointing the cosmic rod at the telly. This is almost as maybe he's projecting it, actually. Mm. And Black Canary says, Can they be from Earth 1? In response to the urging of his fellow members... Dr. Fate uses his mystical powers to open the trans-dimensional barriers and peer into Earth-1. And it's almost like the sort of crystal ball effect has appeared on the floor in front of them. And they're looking down at it and Dr. Fate says, Observe, our friends seem to be in some sort of trance. And Black Canary says, Can you bring them out of that spell, Dr. Fate? Calling upon the ancient wisdom of which he is past master, Dr. Fate hurls sorcerous bolts of power into Earth-1. And again, the, the caption is doing the telling for us. We see Dr. Fate and he's gesturing and the lightning is sort of flowing out of his fingertips as he says, I can suspend the awesome spell that holds some prisoners, but just long enough to free them momentarily and speak with them. The next panel is basically the cover. Yes. Although Hawkman and Starman seem to have their eyes shut for some reason. Anyway, the caption says, As an eerie bolt splits the council table, the resultant force penetrates into the minds of the Justice League. Temporarily freeing them from Power Ring's trance. And we move on to the top of page 24, the last page of this story. And the caption says, Eagerly Flash pours out the tragic story of what occurred, while Wonder Woman warns the Justice Society of the similar peril they are about to face. And we see the JLA looking up. It's almost that porthole that's sort of above them. And Wonder Woman says, So do not touch them until after you have defeated them. And Flash continues, Or they'll drag you into Earth 3 by saying the world Balthoom. And Teen Lantern continues. We can't come into Earth 2 to help you because as soon as you take away your magic spell, we'll go back into the trance in which Powering put us. The faces of the Justice Society tense as they understand the terrible struggle they are to face. Dr. Fate says, Don't worry, friends of the Justice League. And Starman continues. When the crime syndicate attacks us on Earth 2, we'll be ready for them. Hawkman says, And thanks to your warning, we won't permit them to vibrate us out of Earth 2, where we have never been defeated, into Earth 3, where the crime syndicate rules supreme. Don't miss the concluding chapter of this multi-superpowered adventure in the next issue of The Justice League of America! Round of applause, that rattled along. Well, that was brilliant. I mean, um... Part one. What did you think? It was... There's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, Some good fights. Some very, very well choreographed fights. They, they all looked fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Again, Earth 3, we've hardly scraped the surface of it mm-hmm. as to how it works. As I said, you know, other evil Buddhists, we don't know. If yeah. you've got someone who's got Superman's powers, pretty much, and you don't have any superheroes or any sort of like law enforcement that can deal with them, uh-huh. then why aren't they just ruling the world? Yeah. I mean, do they have a police force or do they have the opposite of a police force where it's like, a criminal force you know, that actively maintains yeah, disorder and an, or an anti-superpower force. I mean, if it is all kind of evil versions, then why 
or at least how can society function unless yeah. it's like some sort of extended mafia sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like, like we sort of said at the start, it's, it's, it's almost an exercise in imaginary thinking. It's one of these ones when it's maybe best not to think too closely on, on the practicalities of yeah, how it works, I know, you know. I know post-crisis they go into how they're three and the step of their three and how it all works. They make it of two, don't they? Well, they do Much at one stage. A bit, a bit further on, isn't they it? Yeah, well, that... Because at some stage, it's some stage it's an antimatter version. Yeah. Then there's a version called Earth Two, and then in the current continuity, it's Earth Three again. Was it right? Yeah. So it's kind it's, of lost count of the current continuity. To be yeah, honest, it's um, it's one of these ones that's reset quite a lot, uh-huh. which is quite good because you know it means you can tell fresh stories. Each time they revisit it in the, the current continuity, though, it adds a new layer onto it, so mm. it's quite good. I really enjoyed that issue. As we say, the, the fight scenes are carefully choreographed. Mm-hmm. Very exciting to read. Felt a bit more substantial and a bit more balanced out and a bit more properly dotted than the first part of the. I know that the the first JLA crossover, JSA crossover, it's it's the villains that are really the the stars of the first part. But I yeah. liked how um the the baddies all got a fair bit of screen time to kind of establish them properly. Mm-hmm. We also see here everyone actually used the designations Earth 1, Earth 2 and Earth 3 even though it was the Fiddler that came up with them before. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, I mean... It's, it's bizarre. It's like the, the, the crime syndicate know they're on Earth 3. Mm-hmm. And that's Which how, is really, yeah, really weird. As we said, it is the, the Fiddler who did uh, name them and you know the heroes went around when he gave the designations uh-huh. but they seem to have just picked up on the, the numbering. Maybe Remember they that, picked up their sorry. notes in that amazing transdimensional bachelor pad that they had. Yeah. And of course, we're at a point, at this point, it's worth saying the Earth 1, Earth 2 labelling has only really been used in the Flash and JLA and JSA stories. Yes, we haven't so seen, far. Right? Yeah, we haven't seen it in reference to it as a starting point for any of the characters in the, the Superman family sort of stories that we've no. done recently. You know, it's there's been no reference of Lois or Clark or Bruce Wayne returning to Earth mm-hmm. 1. It'll be interesting to see when these distinctions become a matter of course and, you know, start being used more often. Yeah, good. Shall we go on to the response to this issue? Mm-hmm. It's the JLA mailroom again, and the first letter says, Dear Editor, Crisis on Earth 3 in your August Justice League of America was an exciting and colourful novel. It was unique mainly because the super beings of Earth 3 were villains, and also that even though the Justice League members were victorious in their individual battles, they were defeated by the clever thinking of Owlman. Now, to get to the main purpose of my letter. Regarding your requests in this issue's JLA mailroom for readers to write in with their suggestions as to who shall be the next superhero to be inducted into the JLA, it doesn't really matter whom the readers select. The selection has already been determined for us. It will be Hawkman. For my proof, let me call your attention to your comment to a letter in JLA 7. We predict that some strange circumstance will arise that will lead to Hawkman's joining the JLA. Mm. Even as early as JLA 5, we find you answering... Hawkman is a sure bet to be drafted into the GLA. So I ask you, what choice do we readers have when you're already determined to induct Hawkman into the GLA? Asks Jack Kallenberg of Mount Stewart, Pennsylvania. Cool. And the editorial response. Though our previous commitments established that Hawkman was slated to join the Justice League, we were not duty-bound to make him the very next member. You, the readers, did indeed make this selection, voting him a top-heavy favourite over Adam Strange, Elongated Man, and other nominees. Imagine Adam Strange enjoyed the Justice League in the 60s. I mean, it's probably completely impractical because his Zeta Beam would have yeah, worn off. Or but it's, it, yeah. but it's, it's interesting. I wonder if it would have been done with like a complete disregard to all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. if they found a way around it or maybe mm. he was just trapped on Earth for a really long time or yeah, something. Yeah, just he was only here. He was only like in Justice League missions while he was on Earth. Yeah. And then, you know, he had to go away. And of course, Adam Strange... Listen, this is a this is a great link here. What I'm working here, viewers. Mm-hmm. Adam Strange kicks about on Ran, who quite often in the future will have wars with Thanagar. 
Yes. And Thanagar, of course, brings us to... To Hawkman. Who that letter was, was talking about. So, yeah. yes, Hawkman. Now, this is a Jelly two-parter, first part. It's issues 29 and 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of issue 31, Hawkman of Earth-1 joins the Justice League of America. Uh-huh. He's not appeared in the Justice League of America before, but Hawkman has appeared in it four times before well, that. Yeah, well, we've, yeah, we've seen him four times, yeah. The Hawkman of Earth-2. Yeah, because he was in... Obviously, he was part of, I get to say it again, Vengeance of the Immortal Villain in Flash 137, and then yep. he's been in all the, the episodes we've had so far of the various JLA and JSA yes. team-ups. So that's the first two issues with the, the, the crime champions. And of course, this two-parter, he mm-hmm. features in both of these. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to think that, you know, the first four appearances of Hawkman in the Justice League yeah. are the Earth 2 <laughs> Hawkman. Are the wrong Hawkman. Yeah. So, yeah, madness. <laughs> Absolutely. And the next letter. Dear Editor, Crisis on Earth 3 was a masterpiece of perfection. First of all, the cover was, in my opinion, the best to date. We've had very similar comments to this in letters before, haven't we? Yes. Gardner Fox's wondrous literary talents, combined with Mike Sikowski's ever-improving artistic skills, I'm glad I'm not the only person to notice it, made this a most enjoyable story, one to be remembered for many years to come. I was reading along at a lively pace, anxiously awaiting the climax where heroes and heroine would lower the boom on the felonious characters from Earth 3, but alas, to my disbelieving consternation... I abruptly cited, continued next issue. Now you've got me biting my nails and bemoaning the fate that induced me to buy the comic in the first place. Who wrote this? Gee whiz. <laughs> Was it Eric Seward? But who am I to complain? I love a continued story just as much as the next person. And believe me, there are more pros than cons pertaining to this highly provocative issue. It seems as though everyone loves a cliffhanger. I believe that every year at this time you should have a two-parter in which the old Justice Society takes an active part. This would be a unique addition to an already superb comic, and that's from Steve Timerius, mm-hmm. 416th Street, Fairbury, Nebraska. And editorial response says, Unless unforeseen circumstances arise to interfere with our good intentions, we expect to follow the annual precedent we've established of featuring the Justice Society of America in the August and September issues of the JLA. Terrific. And the next letter... Dear Editor, Crisis on Earth 3 was horrible. Oh, wow. It is one of the worst issues to date. You ruined the GLA-JSA anniversary with such a poor issue. (laughs) Why didn't you have new and original villains? What? The best you seemed to do was to copy the GLA heroes and give them different uniforms and a villainous attitude. What does it take for you guys to see the lights? The conditions that made our superheroes are unique and could never happen again. The repetition of these conditions makes our heroes seem less important. Another gripe is all these Earths. (laughs) Here again, are you stretching the imagination? I ask you, would it be plausible to have a hundred or so Earths, and each one having a similar group of superheroes? Another gripe is not having all the JLA team present. Even though the mag would have been crowded with so many superheroes, it would have been more enjoyable. Gary Hornback, Upton, Kentucky. Well, the editor response to this is, Whereas our readers found it no strain on their imaginations to accept the conception of multiple Earths, even to having one of them give rise to super beings with villainous intentions, the above correspondent prefers to regard himself as unique as the Earth he lives on. Wouldn't it be strange if there were another Gary Hornback on Earth 3 who denied the existence of this Earth? Where would that leave you, Gary Hornback, editor? That's really interesting to see the <laughs> preempting. So much that happens. Gary Hornback, obviously, is the pen name of Marv Wolfman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that, that really surprises me because, you know, I was really impressed by the, the Crime Syndicate. The simplicity of it is, is its strength, I think. But it just shows, yeah. you know, how certain things just float differently with different people. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And so, final letter. Yep. 
Dear Editor, Alright, everybody knows that Mike Sikowski draws the JLA, and a good job he does of it too, all things considered. But who writes the JLA? And why is this genius, or geniuses, so obscure? It seems to me that your writers are unsung heroes, who are seldom mentioned in the letter columns, if at all. And that's from Random Scott, 94 Westbury Avenue, Plainview, New York. Random Scott. That's a great name. Amazing. The genius writer behind every one of the JLA stories is Gardner Fox. He's been writing comics for 27 years and confidently expects to keep at it for another 23 years when he'll celebrate his golden anniversary. Amazing. I loved that. I really did, JLA 29. I can't wait to see what happens next. Here's a question. Here's a question. Okay. And Superman Action Comics 308 when he meets Hercules that we yes. discussed the other week he comes across kryptonite that does not affect him right but when Flash is fighting Ultraman he runs away and gets kryptonite Earth 1 kryptonite works on Ultraman the same way Earth 3 kryptonite would Interesting. so it seems to be the case that in some cases different universities versions of kryptonite uh, work and in some cases they that's, don't yeah that is that's a good point that so, is interesting again a different writer and editor yeah. on those titles yeah no consistency yet yeah it probably didn't occur to anyone at the time at all whatsoever mm. and you know I wonder if I mean there's a good good chunk you know good six seven months between those two stories yeah Interesting. Uh-huh. So that's what the readers at the time thought. That's what we thought as well. What do you think of this first part of the second JLA GSA crossover? Please get in touch with us. Yeah, please let us know. You can contact us at the Earth2Podcast at gmail.com. You certainly can. And you can find us on Facebook at the Earth2Podcast. And on Instagram. At the Earth2Podcast. Yes. yes. And we're also on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth2. So please let us know. What you're thinking of what we're doing and how it's going and any of your thoughts on the on the stories. And as ever, we'll select a few of the classic panels from this story and pop them up on the social media for you to see. Absolutely. Plenty to choose from. Now, we have had some recent feedback from listener Scott Simmons. Hello, Scott, if you're listening. Hi, Scott. Uh, and Scott uh, messaged us on Facebook to say... Well, first of all, he says some very kind words. Describes the show as a delight. So thank you, Scott. I really, We really, really appreciate it. We appreciate the positivity of your feedback. We appreciate you for listening. So God bless you. Scott had a few questions of some points that he was wondering if we were going to cover or not. So mm-hmm. um, Scott says, I'm hoping you'll address vanished questions of when Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman stories, including World's Finest Action and Detective, shift from Earth 2 to Earth 1. The convoluted histories of how characters like Spectre and Black Canary and maybe Wildcat become Earth 1 heroes, which seem to happen in fits and starts, with different explanations for how that migration worked. Mm-hmm. Science fiction and horror stories from the 60s and 70s that dovetail into DC's burgeoning multiple world schema, the integration of Fox and quality characters into Earth 2 and All-Star Squadron, and finally, implied counterparts like the much speculated about but only seen once or twice, Aquaman. Yes, is the answer pretty yeah, much. We're I mean, going to address yeah. most of them. We've already touched on We've some touched of the science fiction mm-hmm. stories that have been done already. And the Strange Adventures one. There are a few more that are coming up mm-hmm. uh, that we'll mention. Also, there are, in our researches, there are quite a few honourable mentions. Almost. Yeah, yeah. that weren't quite parallel world stories, but we think might be interesting to just mention. We we'll probably won't do episodes on them. We'll probably just put it on our social media Yeah, just to give you an idea of some of the other things that were happening that were similar, but not really the sort of thing we're covering. We're mostly going to cover legacy and the parallel universes. Yeah, stories that are defined as being... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, and obviously we will be talking about the Spectre and Black Canary. We've had a lot of conversations about Wildcat 
Yes. And, you know, and the whole can of worms that that opens up. And, and where, where, what worlds certain people are on, what yep. worlds certain people mm-hmm. aren't on. Yep. Um, uh, and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the Fox and Quality characters in our two and All-Star squadron. I mean, the first time we'll meet some of them will obviously be in the pages of Jelly. A fair while in the future from now, but we'll certainly be talking about all that. We will be talking about a controversy about uh, an established Earth 2 figure mm. who appears in an Earth 1 story very, very, very soon. Yes, and we have very definite thoughts on that, and we'll yeah. explain them at the time. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, in a few absolutely. Because you know, as we're going along, we're sort of we're mapping it out as we go. Yeah, we're trying to look at it as if we were readers at the time going forward, yeah. as if we were reading it at the time. Yeah. We want to try and ignore the received wisdom and everything that we've learned as, as you know, from growing up over the years as, as, as comic fans, and just mm-hmm. sort of taking the stories as we find them as the definitive text, as an unfolding text, if yes. you like. You know, I've already changed my opinions quite strongly on one particular mm-hmm. character, which, as we say, we'll, we'll get to very, very soon indeed. Good. But many thanks for getting in touch. Yep. Really appreciate it, Scott. It's nice to know we're not doing it to a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us this week. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to... The, the Earth, Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. <laughs>